So a group of second graders were asked by their teacher, why did God make mothers? Well, the answer was, well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another question was, well, why did she marry your dad? Kid answered, well, Grandma says she didn't have her thinking cap on. (laughs) All right, here's the question. What is a fireman, a park ranger, a youth pastor, and an NBA basketball star have in common? You got it? That's who I wanted to be when I was growing up at one time or another as a kid. You remember those things, those phases you had? I wonder if you've ever thought about this question. What do you want this church to be as it grows, grows up? It's it's exactly the question that the leadership of this church has been wrestling with hard for the last couple of years. It's the stuff that we're sharing in this series called Defining Questions. Remember the four questions? What are we about? What are we committed to? Where are we going? That's today. And how are we going to get there? Last week, the first two, what are we committed to? Or what are we about? What are we about? We're about joining God to change lives, okay, that'll change the world. Or here's how we put it. Changing people into devoted followers of Christ who change the world with his love. Changing lives to change the world. What are we committed to? That's our values, these enduring commitments. There are seven of them. Do you remember them? A life of worship, the Bible's authority, the richness of community, joyful witness, compassionate service, intentional training, and persistent prayer. And then today we're going to talk about where are we going then with these values and this mission. And I thought it would be a good thing to kind of go back before we look forward, okay? So uh, let me show you some slides because our history actually starts back at uh, about the year 1906 when Bethany was first established as a church. You can find this building now down on Riverside Drive. Some almost 60 years later, in 1965, a group of faithful people from this church and visionary leaders decided, let's start a new work. And so they joined Pastor Bob Fault and began this work. Here's the land. Then here's the groundbreaking sometime early in 63, 64, and there they are, the beginnings of our church in 1965, back on the corner of Buckeye and Vondren. Well, that same year, the leaders of Bethany started to work on the west side. That's still there today, known as Blackhawk Church, our sister church on the west side. Now, fast forward from 1965, 32 years, 1997. The leaders of the church Buckeye Church, as we were called at first, decide it's time to relocate. We want to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so that's what our land looked like, these 30-plus acres, farm fields. And those early days, there were prayer services led by Pastor Smith there up on the hill. There was that groundbreaking in the uh, wintery part of the latter part of winter of 1999, and then construction began. And you can watch it unfold. It didn't quite happen this fast, but it was pretty fast. So that by December of 2000, we held our first services right here in this place. And my, how things have changed from that farm field. Now look at the picture. It was a couple weeks ago, I think, the plane flew overhead and snapped this. 
God knew exactly what he was doing when he put on the hearts of this church's leadership to move to this place. There's like five houses around, I was told, that you could see from this hill. And now hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that we have an opportunity to minister to. And here's what I conclude as I look back over these pictures and think of our history in 42 years. There has been courageous leadership with tons of vision. I'm also convinced that there have been a lot of people who've given sacrificially, and our God has been faithful. I mean, the, the rainbow coming down on the church just reminds me of God's his goodness to this place, where it really is a place where lives are changing one heart at a time, just as Pam shared earlier this morning. And it's a place where a lot of you, when this place was being built, you came here with your, your magic mark and you wrote a name of someone. You were hoping that God would use you to change their life. And so God has prospered this place, and it's fitting for us to look back before we look ahead and to do so with a great sense of thankfulness. And as we look ahead, I want to tell you a little bit about the process because how you get a place, how do you get to a place, is just as important as getting there. And when I think about the process, I think about the Eagle Tower in Peninsula State Park. Have you climbed that tower? That's, it's a big tower. And the vision process is like that because it's slow going to the top, and at least for me, a little scary. Don't mess with me when I'm on the top of this thing. I can't get too close to the edge, but I like it up there. And one of the things I like about it is you can see a long way off. That's what a vision process has done. It's given us ability, with God's help, to see a long way off. And, and when I show you this next picture of the tower, it's got these crisscrossing tie bars. You can kind of faintly see them. They're on a couple sides of the tower. It's holding it all in place. And what, they, what that reminds me of is of our values, these seven values that we just talked about, the ones we shared last week, are commitments that are enduring commitments that hold the vision together, in a sense, give it its shape, and that they're all anchored back into, into the concrete of God's word. So when I think about a vision, I think about four dangers that we need to be careful of as leaders and as a church. Number one is, When you dream big dreams for God, there's an enemy that wants to take you out. If we're doing nothing for God, the enemy doesn't care a bit about us. And I have to say, I'm amazed at what's going on since I've shown up in August in the churches of our community. A lot of things going on. There's an enemy out there. I'm, I'm aware of the pitfall of pride where in a subtle way we begin this thing and say, it's all for your glory, God. And after a while, it's not about God's glory. It's about our glory. And that's a great danger that we're aware of. We're aware of the danger of shortcuts like Abraham. He had this beautiful vision given him to a God. He had this picture of what it looks like, the, the stars in the heaven, the sands on the seashore. And then it didn't kind of happen like he thought it was going to happen. In the time frame, he thought it was going to happen. So he takes a shortcut. He says, God, I know you want me to have a son. So I guess it's supposed to be with Sarah's servant, my wife's servant, instead of through my wife. He took a shortcut. That's a great danger for us to take shortcuts as we trust God for the future he lays out for us. And finally, there's this danger of just being in a hurry and rushing to conclusions, not allowing ample time for reflection. Well, here's what I can tell you. The leadership of this church has not rushed to this vision. They've been working hard at it for the past two and a half years, going back to Pastor Brad. Maybe you don't know this, but right before he died, 
The board with Pastor Brad was working on unfolding the vision to our leadership. And they have spent hundreds of hours since then involving hundreds of people who've been thinking and getting feedback and praying and dreaming and asking God to lead us for the next phase of ministry that he has for us. So as we think about this vision, we want to say our dreams for this church are rooted in the Great Commission. That's our mission, to change lives, to change the world. They're guided and secured by those values anchored in the word. And we've prayed and we're asking all of you to join us, to continue praying, asking God for ongoing guidance, for ongoing help, for strength, for a pure heart, an undivided heart. Our motives are clean and and clear and that we pursue it for his glory and no one else's. And so the leadership of this church humbly brings this vision to our church family, desiring to be faithful to our responsibility desiring to put a smile on, our, on the face and, and the heart of our God and desiring to be a place where the city of Madison is really glad that we're here. Here's what Proverbs 11.10 says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Say that with me. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Now use Madison for the city. When the righteous prosper, Madison rejoices. That's what we're longing for. A smile on our great Lord's face and a city that's glad that we're here. And so in response to God's goodness given to us in his son, we dream of a church that joins God in changing people into devoted followers of Christ who change the world with his love. These devoted followers, as we mentioned last week, are I guess we're calling them now 4D Christ followers. Four-dimensional, 4D. They worship God with all their hearts in all of life. They grow together in Christ. They serve others with Christ's love, and they reach out to those who don't know Jesus. And so believing that God has called us to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, believing that people truly are lost without Jesus, Ephesians 2.12. Believing that God's ways are far higher than our ways, Isaiah 55.11. And that his plans for us are full of hope and a bright future, Jeremiah 29.11. And believing that our God is a great God who does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20. We dream of a church that's worshiping God with all of our hearts in all of life. Now, I'm going to use these uh, words of worship and grow and serve and reach to kind of give us the framework for this vision. So first, under worshiping God with all our hearts in all of life. I want you to look at Acts chapter 2 as I read it. Here's what we learn about the church back in Jerusalem. It really is a framework and a template as we look out in the future of what it could look like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we dream of a church that's alive in our love for God and alive in our love for each other. And when people come here, they know it. We don't have to say it. They sense it right here. They experience it. A church that exalts Christ stays centered on his word. And regularly, week after week, here's these stories of grace of God changing people through the power of his spirit. A church whose worship engages minds and hearts. Worship that's both reverent and enthusiastic, inspiring awe and humility. A a church that is constantly explaining this word and then helping you know how to live out this word in your day-to-day life. A church that leaves room for the mysteries of God, the things that are too big for our finite minds. We don't try and explain them away. We actually can be quiet and trust God in the things that we can't quite figure out. Church that sees our weekend services as a highlight. What we long for is for you to say, the best part of my week is when I come here with my friends, my brothers and sisters at Door Creek Church. We long for a church and dream for a church that better represents the diversity of our city, of the body of Christ. Our survey just told us we're 98% white. The schools in Madison are made up of 40% minority. We're church in Madison, and we want to better represent the community that we are here to minister to. We want to be a church where everyone is welcome here. And we know they're welcome here because we see them worshiping God with us here. We want to be a place where the nations worship with us. That's one of the wild things about our city. The nations have come to us, many studying in the university system and others who live in our communities. We want to be a church and dream of a church where young and old come together as one worshiping community. We are so excited about the hundreds of kids who are meeting with our rock group, our junior high and our extreme group, our senior high ministries. We long to see them also having a sense of belonging right here with us as we gather together. A church that celebrates the creativity of our God where we will sing new songs written by those in our church as we do now, but just more of it. A church where our music will reflect the diversity of our body, a variety of styles, and our great praise to God. A church where you can come as you are but never be the same. A church where you leave with hope and you're always glad that you came. We dream of a church whose worship overflows in all of life, 24-7, in your individual life, with your family, where you're living obediently before Christ in whatever he calls you to do, where you continually are delighting in his goodness throughout the week. A church that's devoted to prayer, a church that regularly sees God answering prayers in big ways, We teach on it. And there's a reputation that this is a place that prays. God hears their prayer. And people come knocking on our door and say, I don't go here. There's some stuff going on in my life. And I'd like you guys to pray for me. And I hear, God does good things through your prayers. Would you pray for me? So here's some strategic initiatives under worship. 
to increase the diversity of our congregation to better reflect the mosaic of Madison or to better reflect that which we see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, where every nation, tongue, and tribe is worshiping in heaven around God's throne. We want more of that here. I, I can't tell you. Here's the three easy steps, in the, and this is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen first and foremost as we want it to happen, as we open our hearts to others, and as we follow God's lead, how that might take place. We're going to explore, explore fresh ways to engage the next generation in our weekend services. What we know is from our recent survey, 86% of those 18 years of age and up 86% are over the age of 32. They're 33 on up. That means 14% from the age 18 to 32. I just want to say as the lead pastor here, that's a concern to me. I don't want us to grow old together and miss out on a generation. So we're going to explore those fresh ways to engage and continue to engage this next generation. We're going to add more weekend services, allowing for more worshipers, which means we're going to need more artists because one group can't do it all which means we're going to expand our commitment to develop artists in this place maybe you could call it some kind of a school of the arts where where we are developing artists and musicians both vocalists and instrumentalists there's people that do drama there's the media artists as well we dream of a church that is worshiping god with all our hearts in all of life Let me give you a couple more statistics from our survey. It's got a great sample. 841 of us filled it out. So we know a lot about the makeup of our church. 65% of our people are not in a small group. 52% have not yet found a place for serving. Which means that over half of us aren't involved in a smaller community, a community that's meeting together as a small group or serving together. And so it shouldn't surprise us when 30%, almost a third of us said, I feel poorly connected when I think about my sense of belonging and connectedness in this place. In addition to this, we've heard it often said by some people that I feel like sometimes we're like an inch deep and a mile wide. So here's what we dream about. We dream of a church that's growing together in Christ. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Notice how they were growing together. Well, as they devoted themselves to the word, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then they spent a lot of time together. Look down at 46. Every day they continued to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so we dream of a church where you know how to grow and find yourself growing, making progress in the faith year after year by God's grace. A church that's packed full of small groups. Our dream is that 80% of us will be involved in small groups, and we'd like to see that reach in the next three years. That means those small groups provide you with a great sense of belonging and community. It becomes the primary place where you grow, where you're encouraged, where you're cared for, and where you can do the same. We dream of a church where there is a simple and clear path for your spiritual growth. It's not an enigma. You actually know what we're laying out here to help you grow, to be more like Christ. And it's not wooden. It's not rigid. It's got lots of flexibility, but it's clear and it's simple. 
We dream of a church where people increasingly know God's Word and know how to apply it to their own life. We dream of a church that helps parents with their responsibility of raising their kids to love Jesus. A church that's committed to strengthening marriages so that if you're a newlywed here, that you guys grow strong in this place. Or if you've been married for a while, that it's a place where you can grow stronger. Or maybe if you say, honestly, we're not strong at all, we need some help, that you can find help and encouragement and hope and a future, maybe reconciliation for the things that are going on in your marriage. A church that regularly sees broken lives and fractured homes being healed and brought together. A church where single parents are embraced. They're helped and strengthened and encouraged. A church where singleness is celebrated as a gift from God, not a curse. A place where you find lots of cheerful, generous givers who are giving Back to God, all of what he's given to them, their time, their talents, their spiritual gifts, and even their money to further God's work in this place and from this place. A church where we never hear again somebody say, inch deep, mile wide. They don't ever want to hear that again. So here's our initiatives under grow. First of all, small groups. Right now, a third of us, 33% are in a small group. We want to grow that from 33 to 80 starting from junior high students on up in the next three years. To jumpstart that, we're going to intentionally train 100 new leaders in the next two years. We're going to develop and offer a ministry called Group Link. In an evening or on a Saturday morning or whenever we hold it in a few hours, you can meet with some people, form new groups, and understand how to have a successful small group experience that moves out from that Group Link. Spiritual growth. We're going to develop that clear, simple path for your growth. And we're going to funnel it primarily through small groups and through the weekend messages. And then we're going to be very, very intentional about reproducing leaders at every level of our church, those who are working with our children, with our junior high students and our high school students, with men's and women's ministries and everything in between, reproducing artists. And so that over time, More and more and more of you are going to be mobilized into places of ministry. And one of the things that's going to happen is God's going to tap your shoulder like he did to Jackie Bremer a few years ago, like he did to Randy Olson. People just like you, like Craig Heilman, who starts tomorrow as our new executive pastor, just like you, in these chairs, serving in this place, and God says, I I got something more for you. And so in the next 10 years, I look out and I see a lot of you part of the ministry team of this place. Or maybe it's another place. Or maybe it's with one of our partners overseas. Under stewardship, we want to find and develop a curriculum so that there are just hundreds of us that really know fundamentally how to honor God with our wealth. How to do that. We want to broaden the base of financial counselors to help those in financial difficulty. And starting in June, here's what we are dreaming and asking God to do, that our giving would exceed budget every month of every year starting this June. Whoa. We're 50000 behind budget right now. That means in the next 18 days and all of 
the 30 days of June. We're going to make up that. We're going to get our giving to exceed budget by that point. And every month of every year from this day forward, we're going to see that happen. Because God opens our hearts. Here's what else we want to do under stewardship. We want to retire the debt of phase one. 3.1 million left. 600 of that is already pledged. That means there's 2.5 million that remains. And by the end of 2010, the stewardship board is saying, we want to have it paid off. And the obvious question is, why are you, why are you in such a hurry? I'm not on a three-year payment plan on my house. Hello? What's wrong with 30 years? It's been working good for a long time for a lot of us. Well, here's why it's not a good thing. This year, we're spending $100,000 on interest. That is a lot of money. Do you realize we could start a new church this year with that kind of money? And not only that, we need more space. Now, let me show you the master plan. And this master plan reminds you that the leaders of this church have always been courageous and visionary, and they've never dreamed small dreams. So here it is from the two different angles. We'll look at the one from on top. Here we are, right here. That's phase one. Then behind us is phase two. I'll tell you about what some of the plans are for phase two. And then here's the big kahuna. The big kahuna is phase three. Phase three, as I look at it, is like an 18 to $20 million project. Now, here's the good news. The leadership thinks we can save 18 to $20 million. Does anybody think that's a good idea? We don't think we probably need a sanctuary. I guess we don't call it a sanctuary. We call it an auditorium that holds 2,500 people. I actually think the plans had it as 2,700. We don't think we need that. But we do think we need this part right here, phase two. Now, show the next slide, and let me show you some of the things that were on this, on this master plan. Okay, so here we are, right here, the dark part, phase two right here. Right here was housing for senior adults. Right here was a daycare and a student center. And here was a gymnasium. I, I mean, uh, a, a daycare center. There's another thing. I've just dropped it right now. But trust me, there's something there. In fact, the leadership... <laughs> The leadership thought of anything you could put on this master plan. You don't know that pond right there is, is actually a ski jump uh, training place right there. <laughs> but we, we got the softball, we got the soccer, and everything you could think of, they put it on there so that we could do anything we want to in the future. And the leadership of the city would say, oh, yeah, you already got approval for that. All right? So why do we need phase two? Well, here's the deal. When we built this building, there are three things we primarily needed. We need a place to worship. That's this room. Actually, we haven't outgrown it because we can continue to do more services in this place. Now, here's something to think about. Our sister church, Blackhawk, to the west, to the west, where is west? I never know where. Thank you, to the west. Um, They have 3,000 people plus meeting this weekend and they don't have a room this big. How are they doing that? They're creatively using spaces and that's the new day. You know, the bottom line is you're not looking for a worship experience where, where you're in there with 3,000 other people. You're, you're looking for community. So we're okay on the worship space. The second thing we built this thing for was for children. Now, children's space is getting tight. And then when you think of all the other ministries like students and the adults and the men's and the women's and all the other things that go on in this place where there are literally are 3,500 room setups a year in this building, you realize that we're running tight. And then throw in the third thing is offices. So we need new space. We need more space. And here's some of the things that could be in that space. Well, a large gym, full size. 
which means in this activity center and the atrium could be reconfigured in a way that adds community and a kind of a family room to our church experience. Flexible classrooms, perhaps a larger meeting room for our high school students and our student ministries that also doubles on the weekends as a place for us to meet. Another venue, if you will, under our own roof and then more offices. And so along with stewardship, we want to begin plans for phase two. So we dream of a church that's growing together in Christ. Third, let's talk about serving others with Christ's love. A church where people know their gifts and are using them. A church where every small group is involved in service. A church that transforms our city as we extend Christ's mercy to all kinds of people, the disadvantaged, the oppressed, the poor, the widows and orphans, those in prison, coming out of prison. A church where people are trained to help others receive wise counsel, no matter what it is they're going through. Spiritual, financial, emotional, physical difficulty. And so here's what we're planning. Here are some of our initiatives. Number one, to have 500 of us go through in the next three years our Together We Serve curriculum, our class on understanding what's the Bible say about gifts, what are my gifts, and how do I use them in this place and from this place in our community and around the world. We want to expand our participation in mercy ministries. I want you to look at the slide and see all the things that we do here. There's blood drives. There's care net we talked about. Habitat for Humanity. We just finished, along with some other churches, building a home for a mother with her nine children moving into a new place this spring. Interfaith Hospitality Network. We've got a second chance apartment giving this young family a new start on life. We've furnished it. We mentor this family. We're helping out feeding the homeless every other Saturday night through the Salvation Army. We're sending gifts and little Christmas boxes to children all around the world. There's the Nehemiah Corporation. In fact, I just had lunch with Alex, Alex G., the pastor of Fountain of Life, the president of Nehemiah Corporation. He's ministering to people living down in Ally Drive, tough place. He's got plans for this new beautiful building. On the front of his building, on the frontage of his street, he says, we're going to put retail space. I said, Alex, I got an idea. Why don't you let Door Creek run a resale shop in one of those places? We'll bring all of our clothes and all of our furniture and we'll sell it to the people in your community really cheap. And all the money that comes in, we'll give it back to the ministries that you're pouring out to the people in your community. Alex's eyes got big. He says, now that's the kind of church partnership I like to hear. And I can tell you from experience When we did this in South Carroll Stream in Illinois, over 10 years of just bringing in shirts and pants and clothes and furniture and selling them for a buck or two, a million dollars came in in 10 years. So imagine how we could be funding ministry in our own community by the stuff that we already have and are giving away. So we dream of a church that's serving others with Christ's love. We dream of a church that's reaching those, finally then, who don't know Jesus. And Acts tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we dream of a church with arms that are open wide, a friendliness that marks this place for no matter who it is that comes here, no matter who they are, where they are on their journey of faith, they're welcome here and they know it and they're comfortable here and you're comfortable bringing your friends here. 
a church full of joyful Christ followers who know the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you're equipped to share it and to live it out. A church where every week people are placing their faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason we know it is every year, not a handful, but hundreds of people are being baptized in this place. Saying publicly, I'm following Christ. I put my faith in him. A church that reaches our community by starting new churches or establishing new campuses where more people can have their lives changed. And here's what we got to realize is we're a church plant. And so it's in our DNA. It's latent. It's been around for 42 years now. But this gene is ready to reproduce. And we're believing and dreaming big dreams with God to reproduce ourselves in our community in the days to come. We dream of reaching the University of Wisconsin. How many of you spent some time at the UW-Madison? Yeah, a few of us, a lot of us. Well, it's no longer the day where we can say as leaders at Door Creek, we don't have to worry about UW-Madison because Blackhawk's there, because InterVarsity's there. My friends, there's 44,000 students there in our city. And we want a part of the action. We want to be part of what God's doing on this great university right here in our midst. We dream of befriending international students, 3,400 of them that were here studying last year. They'd love to share a meal in your apartment. They would love to meet your family. They'd love to get to know more of American culture in a personal way. And most all of these are leaders or leaders in the making that are going back to their countries. Wouldn't it be great if they went back, not just with greater knowledge, but with a heart that's been changed by Jesus Christ and it happened through your friendship? We dream of not just helping students get here, which we'll begin this fall, providing transportation, but we we also dream of supporting the work that's going on, the campus right now, whether it's a worker or a ministry. And we're dreaming dreams to say, God, show us what our part could be as we long to to have a beachhead right there on the campus, a a ministry center, if you will. So so here's, here's an idea we thought about. What if we started a coffee shop? in walking distance through the campus that serves the best coffee, that's the cheapest coffee, served by the nicest, friendliest people that they've ever met. And maybe we call it something like cooler beans. <laughs> and, and when they walk in, the, the, what they don't realize is they're not walking into a coffee shop. They're walking into Door Creek Church because it's all run by us. And we're, we're just, as we can bringing the light of Christ in their lives. And I can see in the evenings, these, these student musicians, are, they're playing their music and they're showing their artwork and their, their pictures that they've taken. And they're, they're reading their poetry and they're coming around the great ideas to discuss it. Maybe it's a book study or investigative Bible study. Maybe they're just a place where they can ask their questions and get honest answers from a Christian perspective. But we don't want to just be a church that's reaching our community. We want to be a church and dream of a church that is reaching the world where people are vested in global outreach through prayer, through giving, and hear this, through going. We dream that in the next three years, 25% of us are going to go overseas or cross some cultural barrier in the next three years, 300 of us for the love of Christ. 
We dream of a church where our children develop a heart like God's for the world. And when he gives them those experiences and touches their hearts and they say, I think God's calling me to go, that they know that they're supported in this place by our prayers and by financially giving to their needs. We long to see people crossing cultural boundaries here and abroad as they follow God's call into a second career. We want to improve our care with our partners all around the world so that every small group is caring specifically for one of our international partners. And we want to see this concept of a sister church that we've started with Los Olivos in Guatemala. We want to see that replicated on the following continents. North America, hopefully right here in Madison, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia. And, and here's what a sister church is like. It's a long-term relationship where we say we want to support your vision, whatever it means. If it means helping build buildings and and, and dig ditches. We'll, we'll be glad to go do that. If we can do like we're doing this fall and send over dentists or doctors, we'll send a medical team. If we can help you with leadership development, we'll be glad to do that. But we look forward to learning from them and to supporting them and having exchange of leaders so that in the years to come, on one of these weekend messages, there are going to be two people up here, the pastor of one of our sister churches and the translator translating his message partnerships globally around the world. We dream, dreams, to reach the world for Christ. And so here's our strategic initiatives. Number one, right here in our midst, to hire a part-time person. We're working on it right now. To hire a part-time person, soon to go full-time, to work with junior high students. Kyle's got his hands full with the hundreds of students right now in junior and senior high ministries. Number two, we're going to ask God to help us know what our part is in reaching the UW campus. We want to begin this international student ministry in the next two years. Start transportation this fall and then explore options of having a presence on the campus. We want to expand our influence in Madison by starting new churches or campuses, one of those in the next three years, and at least three in the next ten. Here's what we know. We know that 40% of you that fill out a survey drive at least 20 minutes. And church leaders say two things about a 20-minute drive. You don't invite a friend because it's just kind of far away. Where's this church? That's a long way away. Number two is it's a lot harder for you to get involved in a place of service. And so God in his providence has us literally scattered in bunches, big bunches, all around the greater Madison area. We are poised to do this. In the area of missions, 25%, as I said, on adult missions trip. The other church relationships, sister church, another one in the next two years, and having five by the next seven. And then increasing our giving to outreach, 1% every year for the next five years. So, May Door Creek Church be the church that you've always wanted to be a part of. May your friends, your children, and your grandchildren find Christ in this place and have their lives changed by him. May this be a place where your family flourishes, where your marriage grows. May may this be a place where where God opens your eyes to things you never dreamed possible and and you're taking risks and doing things for him that you never imagined. May it be the best days of your life as you lock arms with the people and the leaders of this church 
to change lives that we might change the world. May it be a church that helps people find what they've been looking for. May it be a church that has our city say, we're really glad Door Creek Church is here. May it be a church that brings a smile to our Savior and a well done from his lips. We're asking you to be a D, a 4D follower of Christ. And 4D Christ followers are devoted to worshiping God with all of your heart and all of life. You're devoted to grow, to grow together in Christ, to serve, to serve others with his love, and to reach those who don't know Jesus. Well, this week in your bulletin, you have this card. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to take it out, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it up in your visor, get it out there and pray through this, asking God, Lord, what's my part in this? What's my part? Lord, keep us from those pitfalls that Mark talked about. You pray for us in this vision in the days ahead, asking God to help you know what your part is. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your big dreams for this world included us. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you are a God who has a great love and allows us to extend that love to so many people who, whether they know it or not, desperately need it. And it's just what they're looking for. And so we pray that you would be honored by our plans. And as we commit them to you, then indeed that you would prosper the work of your name in this place and from this place. We pray that our city would rejoice as we become a people known for our good deeds, that they would be glad that we're here and that people in our lives that you've placed in there right now would be so thankful that we introduce them to Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name for his honor. Amen.